myself from knowing what could be. And now there comes the, the issue of the fear factor. Sometimes, okay, most of the times we are afraid of the future. And we are also afraid of the unknown. And just before we can get deeper into these things, my question, I don't know what, what your thought would be, my question would be this. There's this slogan that the NRM has been securing the future. What, what is your thought about that? Is, that? is the future something you can actually secure? And at that, can you secure someone else's future? Let alone yours. That, that brings me to, I think, what I want us to talk about after this. The language of champions. Yeah. Now, when NRM talks about securing the future, do you think, do you sit down and ask yourself, like just follow their narrative? When the president of Uganda speaks, look at his narrative and ask yourself how much of it is about the future. Okay. You'll be amazed that every day he gets a chance to speak to Ugandans. He goes back to 1986. He does not talk about 2040. About 2040, 2086. He talks about 1986. Is it a possibility for your future as an individual, even yourself, to secure your own future? Yes and no. Okay. The power to secure the future lies in the action we take with the seed of time in our hands. Get that. The only thing that can impact tomorrow is what we do today. What we do today. So, as a farmer, I'll give you, I'll give you this example. Right now, I'm in a season where I'm focusing on collecting seed rather than daily bread. Why? Bread is temporal. Seed is eternal. Because if you look at the story of the children of, of, of Israel, when they ate manna, it could not last into the next day. But then the, the Bible tells us that when they came, when they crossed the Jordan and came into their land, the moment they sold seed, the manna stopped. So, the, yes, you can secure the future. If you understand the concept of seed that is wrapped in the hands of time, which you have only today. My argument is this. <clears throat> Why would I be so hell-bent on quote-unquote securing the future? Does it mean I am afraid of the future? Does it mean that... For me, I think future is, the future is unknown. It's an unknown variable. Actually, those are two things. Number one, it's unknown. Number two, it's a variable. Unknown, in other words, even today in the evening, I have no idea what's going to happen. 
true. Tomorrow I have no idea what's going to happen. Why should I be held bent on securing today in the evening and tomorrow in the morning? I think... Is, isn't there a better way of doing life than worrying about the security of the future? There is a better way, there is a better word. And the better way is preparation. You cannot talk about the future and security in the same language, in the same sentence, without introducing the concept of preparation. Mm. Do you get it? So you can't secure the future as far as the concept of time is concerned, but you can secure the future as far as the fruit of time is concerned. Mm. Do you get this? Mm -hmm. So, let us say five years from today. Mm. Five years from today as a sentence is so hollow and yet also so powerful because mm. you, you think about how many seconds are in five years from today. Mm. Now, once you have it in your mind, five years from today, the next thing to do is to ask yourself, how do I use this very second mm. to prepare for those for five, five years, years from today? For the fifth year and so on. Exactly. Okay, so, so the most important thing, like I see you saying, is what is available right now. But maybe the concept of maybe of, of goal setting and so on and so forth comes in in such a way that you can say, is it secure? I, I still still want to run away from the word secure. Yes, that is true. I want to run away from that word. That is true. Because for me to secure something that is in the future, I think I, I, I should be someone like God Almighty. Because the future is in the realm of the unknown and the only person who knows that future is God. And probably there are things that he can put in place to quote-unquote secure it. I am a mortal man, a mortal human being who doesn't even know what tomorrow is going to hold, save from the things that I probably plan to do or decide to do or maybe set goals to do. Isn't it? So can I call those things, let's say my goal, my five-year goal is to build my own house and, uh, you know, whatever it is. Let's just say that's the goal. The question is, is that securing my future? Is that really securing my future? Because I'm going to get to that future of five years and I'm gonna, I'm, I, I, I will have my house built and I'm going to start living in that house. Does that mean that after that five years, the, the future, I, have, I still have to secure it? Are you getting my point? Give me my reasoning. I, I, I get your reasoning, and there's this thing that comes to mind. Because I was thinking about who, who are the brightest people that I know in the world, and what, what, are, what do they have to say about this, this conversation? Yeah. So let us, start with, uh, let us start with the story that Jesus tells of the foolish farmer, mm. whom he tells us somewhere that, there was this man, he was rich, he had harvested, and his barns were full. And he thought within himself and said, let me tear down these barns mm. and build bigger ones, yeah. and then I'll fill them. Yeah, there you go. And then the Bible says that night, 
his soul was required of him. In essence, he died. He died in the process of having torn down one barn to build a bigger one. To build a bigger one, to quote unquote, secure his, his future. future. He was called a fool, actually. Yes, because that's what Jesus says. You do not know what will happen tomorrow. Mm. Now, the contrast is what Solomon speaks about in Ecclesiastes. I think this is chapter 12 or chapter 11. He says that if you, if you pay attention to the wind and to the clouds, you will not so. Yeah. That he who pays attention to the winds and the clouds yeah. will not sow. You have very many excuses never to exactly. get started. Because where the tree falls, there it lies. Yeah. But cast your bread yeah. upon the water. Mm. For you do not know which one will bear fruit. This he said you do not know. You do not know. But what does he say? He says you do not know mm. which, which one, one will, will bear fruit. Mm. Not you do not know if it will. He says mm. you do not know which, which one. one will. But the thing is, the reason why he's certain that there will be fruit is because there has been plenty. Yeah. Now he's saying do not, do not focus on why you should not quote-unquote secure your future or prepare for your future. He said, do it. Do what you can do today and what you have right now. And then I love what he says. In the morning, cast your seed. And in the the evening, evening. cast your seed. Mm. Do not let your hands be idle. Think about that. He does not say tomorrow or the other day. He's talking about the now and now. today. Today. Cast your seed in the morning. Cast your seed in the evening, do not let your hands be idle. So the only, the only thing we can do to secure our future is to prepare for it using the seed of purpose wrapped in the hands of time that we have today. Do you get it? So you and I have a goal that is really, really grand. And we have to ask ourselves, 10 years from today, when we look at that we look at that goal by the grace of God and we have achieved it. I want you to come back to where we are seated today and ask yourself, if we had not done this podcast, would we have prepared for that future? You see, so when we sat down, we said, how much time do we have? So this one hour, is us casting yeah. our bread or our seed yeah. in the evening time yeah. in preparation for that time which we do not know. Mm. But the most amazing thing is this. Just because you do not know does not mean you should be you depressed. Uh, and you shouldn't do nothing about it. Exactly. So, you mentioned something about fear. Um... And, and, and uncertainty mm-hmm. and honestly I think that is the biggest disease of man fear and worst of all is the fear of death how do, you, how do you think about this foolishness we have as human beings who does not know that they are going to die so there is nothing as certain as death. Yeah. And yet, there is nothing as scary as death. 
So I've been asking myself, why are human beings so afraid of death? And I found out that it's not so much about hell or heaven. Mm. It's about what have they not done today that they wish they had more time to do. So that's why if you and I come to a place where the most we can do today, we have done Mm. and finished it. And who knows if we're given more time tomorrow, Mm. we do it. Mm. Who knows if we're given 10 years, we keep doing that thing in that day, Mm. in that day, then we will believe him. That, Lawrence, we we as coaches want people to come to living their greatest life. And we we want them to set goals and and stretch their minds. Mm. But do you realize that it comes down to you and I living our best day? Today. Today. So, It brings me back to the, the more you talk, the more I continue farming up this idea or this thought that came to me the other day, that actually the issue of quote-unquote securing your future is not necessarily worded properly. First of all, the word future is ambiguous. Mm -hmm. You get, it is always a continuous thing. What future, when you talk about securing my future, what future is that? What time frame are you talking about? And now when you put time frame into the equation, when that time frame that you've put in the equation elapses, you realize that there's also another future awaiting there. Therefore, I think I agree with you when you talk about that the most important thing to do is not necessarily to think about making the future quote-unquote secure. I think the most important thing is to... You cannot do that. You cannot hold the future. Uh-huh. You, you Basically, it is in the realm of the unknown. And like I've said, it's in the unknown. And the variables are always changing. You cannot decide that... Anyway, let me not go into, into that thought pattern. But my point is this. That you are, as an individual, having an opportunity to be alive today. You have things that you can be able to use today. And so on. I don't think... In my, in my thinking is that when you talk about security, that's one of the biggest things that always derails us. We want to be safe. We want to be, quote-unquote, secure. And when you talk about that, you're talking about defending, being afraid, and feeding into the fear. But when you decide to be alive in the fullest way possible today, you don't have to worry about how tomorrow is going to look like. Because today you've paid your dues. Tomorrow is going to take care of itself. It's basically like when they talk about take care of the cents and then the shillings and the dollars are going to take care of themselves, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's my point. But anyway, let me ask you a pointed question here. I know you've been alive for quite a while. Tell me of a moment where you experienced fear and you actually went ahead and did it anyway. And what came out of it? <laughs> Experienced fear and did it. And there was a time in 2004. Yeah. I think I was in Form 5 at that time. So I was, I was coming back from the bathrooms and I came into the class and I found a question written on the written on the blackboard and the deputy mistress had walked had walked out. So I realized she had come 
to the economics class. She was a biology teacher, had come to the economics class, and had written a question on the blackboard and walked away. And so I came and like David asked Goliath, uh, the people around him, what's that about? Yeah. So he said, uh, apparently that's a question for a quiz and whoever is interested should go to the head, teacher. head teacher's office. Mm -hmm. And so this was the question, how can companies raise capital using the capital market? Mm. I'd never heard of that. Form 5. Form 5. I'd, I'd never heard of capital markets. But what I knew is, every now and then a company needs to raise capital. Before that, as a child, I'd been interested in the concept of buying and selling shares. Mm. So when I looked at the question on the blackboard, I, asked, I thought to myself, I don't know anything about this. Mm. I'm not the brightest person in this class. Yeah. But this seems like something worth knowing. So I followed her, went to, to her office, and I told her, I, I saw you had written something in a, in a class blackboard. I'd like to say that I'm interested in being part of this quiz. So she looks at me and says, but you, are you sure? I said, yeah. <laughs> and so we had to be two people. So what she did is she now went to the senior six class mm -hmm. and got the most brilliant person in their class, like their number one performer, yeah. to balance out my average yeah. academic uh, situation, yeah. you know? <laughs> that in my S5 class, I was average. Mm. So he said, for them to have a better chance, let yes. us get the real brilliant one. The one we know yeah. is brilliant and add him to this one who just has guts. Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> so they put us together and we spent some time researching, we put together our essay, we came out number 11, we got into a quiz. Now, that is where the fear comes. Uh -huh. So this was a televised quiz. Mm. And among the people in, my, in, in, the, in the room were people from the best schools in the country. Mm. The Budos, the Gayazas, mm. the Smarks, mm. the biggest schools. Mm. Yeah? And then there was also me from my school. Okay, my school was big, but there was me, this yeah. little guy yeah. who did not have the IQ of his partner. Yeah. And so, have you been in a quiz? Yeah, when they ask you those questions, and then there is a timer yeah. that's going off. My brother, there are very many permutations in a quiz. There is the, there is the crowd. There is the fear that you're going to forget. There is the fear that the question is going to be difficult, and so on. Very many permutations. And then there are also quiz. those hot girls that are looking at uh -huh. you and they're thinking, "Yeah, it's a guy," and going to flunk. Yeah. So my brother, I remember having my stomach upset. I couldn't eat. Yeah. So we got we get into the quiz. We went to round one round two mm -hmm. and then by the end of that day the first day round three was um, the quarterfinals mm -hmm. for some reason we were in the quarterfinals what people didn't realize that every time we took a break mm -hmm. when guys would go to make tea to eat food i would go to the toilet and try and empty my stomach and then get on my knees and say god help me Help me. <laughs> I am out of my league. Yeah. And You're then, punching yeah. far above your weight. And then I'd come back and someone told me that this is how I would answer questions. You're the 
before you called me a genius, that was the first time I ever had someone refer to me as a genius. So they'd say, they'd ask me a question. And then I would look up to the sky, like look at the ceiling, and then look down and have the right answer. To them, they, they're like, that was my process. What they didn't realize was that in that moment, I was praying. Because <laughs> there were big questions for which I had no answer. And I'd be like, okay, God, what's the answer? Is it A? Is it B? And then in my spirit, I'd feel like it's B. Yeah. And I'd say B. So long story short, we got through the quarterfinals, and then the next day was semis and, and, and finals. Yeah. I couldn't sleep that night. Yeah, Speaking of, of fear, trepidation, yeah. I couldn't sleep. Yeah. Woke up, couldn't have breakfast. Yeah. Did you like uh, ask yourself, what have I gotten myself into? What yes. was I thinking? What was I thinking? <laughs> yeah, like who, who told me that, that this is uh, supposed to be a guy from Namiliango, I mean from Smart. Like I was out of my yeah. depth. Yeah. And, and so, the semis come up, and somehow we get to the semis. Mm. And then we are in the finals. Mm. Routine repeats. Go to the bathroom, ease myself, get on my knees, and pray. And then at the end of uh, the thing, the, the, last, the last part, we tied. Uh-huh. And then we had to do a, a do final decider. A final decider, mm. which we almost tied. At that point, I had come to the end of myself. I was ready to just walk around and say, guys, I, I quit. It was tense. So I remember we were with uh, Chitov. Yeah. So these are the finals. Yeah. Remember how I came to this place? Yeah. I just wanted to know what was the answer. To the question, question on the board. On the board. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I wanted to know. Wow. I just thought it would be something good to know. Yeah. And so when the results came out, eventually, it turned out that they had taken tallies for everyone in addition to the school. Individual tallies. Individual tallies. Mm. And my, my partner's tally was... Um, the, the Form 6 guy. The Form 6, the most brilliant guy. Yeah was 69.7. You can still remember that stuff? Yes. Okay. And then the other guys were like 70 and 69. Yeah. Our opponents. Yeah. Well, I think I was a guy with about 80. Mm. And then the one guy who just wanted to know about how to raise money using the capital markets, my tally was 93.3%. Whoa. And we won. Whoa. We won that, that Capital Market Secondary Schools Challenge of 2004. And our prize involved getting shares, which I still do have, wow. in, in, in DFCU Bank. And the, most, the best part was I got to get on a plane for the very first time. And I went to Nairobi to tour the Nairobi Stock Stock Exchange and I had a breakfast meeting with the CEO of the the Securities Exchange. I had a mid-morning lunch with the chairman of the Capital Capital Markets Authority of Kenya. So let me tell you my one day in Nairobi that year, 2004. Arrived in Nairobi jam at about 6.37 Got to Hilton Hotel for breakfast. 
at 7 I had lunch at the Intercontinental you guy and then I had dinner at another five star maybe Serena or something I did, there were three hotels there was Plaza hmm. is there a hotel called Plaza Hotel I don't know but, the, but you know Intercontinental I know Intercontinental I know Hilton uh-huh. Hilton is a place where many people normally meet you know when you're meeting in town say meet me at hilton mm-hmm. never had breakfast at hilton just met there very many guys Rasta, the, 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 the breakfast at hilton was about 18 meter uh, an 18 meter u wow like 18 meters that way 18 meters this way wow with all my hunger that's a story for another day <laughs> but we came out mm. and not only was i number one not only was, was my school number one, me, the average boy from Ginger, totally unfit to even be in this school. I remember the first day I was in that school, my OB from primary walked up to me and said, even you, you're here. It, that question disturbed my mind because I felt like oh, I'm coming from, you know, those yeah. low schools yeah. to now an elite school yeah. and my OB is telling me I do not belong here. So I have yeah. that inferiority, inferiority kind, kind of a thing. Yeah. So the day I walked into this class and I saw this question, for me, it, it was just something I, I felt I needed to know. But getting through that fear and just... So the, the thing is, the, the most interesting thing is, is this. You had no clue that there's going to be a competition. No, I'd going no to clue through. whatsoever. I mean, no clue. And you had no clue that it's going to be an inter-school thing. Nothing. You had no clue that there's going to be shares. No clue that there's going to be a, a flight. Nothing. No clue there's going to be, you know, dinner, breakfast, lunch at five-star hotels in Nairobi. What took you there was what? I needed an answer. You needed an answer. <laughs> and you provided the answer. And the rest, as they say, is history. Because we're discussing here <clears throat> how we can leverage the moments of the unknown. Because all this thing is unknown to you, isn't mm-hmm. it? True. Everything that you experienced that came to your life was an unknown. And chances are that, not chances are, but it is actually a fact. You're not the only guy who saw that question on the board. No one in my class bothered to stand Everyone up. Everyone saw the question. You are the guy who responded to the question. And now one step led to another, and then another, and then another, and then another. Speaking of questions, let me just say this for you real quick. The quality of the life that we live is dependent on the depth and the quality of the questions we are willing to seek answers for. Yeah. Or the questions we are willing to ask ourselves. You know, you want to have hard conversations and, and you've had conversations with other people. Yeah. But you realize that the depth of conversation with certain people follows certain questions. Yeah. That if you ask me the right question, yeah. you will get a plethora yeah. of information. Yeah. And that is the thing about life. Mm. It is unknown. 
because it's a question of us. Like mm-hmm. when, when, when God created the world, he mm-hmm. had certain questions for which you and I are those answers to those questions. Mm-hmm. I want you to think about that very carefully. So if you are not in this constant place of asking yourself, why am I here? Basically having a spirit of adventure, approaching life from the atmosphere of, uh, from the angle that <clears throat> there's something has got to be solved here. There's an adventure that has got to know. The, having this curiosity in you to know, to keep knowing. That's why I keep going back and telling us, I don't think there's this thing that you can actually secure the future. I, I think you can, you can, every time the day unfolds, gives you the opportunities there are for you to explore and so on and so forth. And to the degree that you explore, you can basically, I think the best we can do in life is to keep growing, not to secure ourselves. To me, security talks of, you know, gated community with dogs that have been imported and so on and so forth, keeping things intact, keeping things stable. I asked a policeman around the time of the November riots and asked him, do you feel safe? So there was a policeman wearing uniform. Yeah. And I wanted to record his answer. I said, first turn off the <laughs> recorder, the record, and then I'll <laughs> tell you the answer. Yeah. And then this was his answer. My brother, we are not safe. I cannot just say anything I want. Mm. I can lose my job or even worse, die. I want you to think about this. The security agencies that this man represents do not feel safe. That the most powerful men find themselves needing the most security. Yeah, ever so increasingly. So how can you say that such a person who is insecure in his own day-to-day secure your future? So... The question here about security. And I want us to unpack this, not from a political angle, mm-hmm. because we're doing this in, we're doing life basically. True. And we're doing this in a philosophical, in a, an application kind of a way. We're not necessarily up against any, any political whatever. No, nothing. We're doing this thing in realistic, realistic nature and uh, unpacking this philosophy. Let me tell you what the worst experience of life is for any human being. It is to be brought to a place in your life where you have no option. Mm. I want you to think about that very well. Mm. Someone wants to go to school, no options. Someone needs to get medical, no options. options. Mm. Someone needs to give birth, no options. Someone needs to get married. No options. The worst place that you can put a human being in is in a place where he has no options. Why? Because when he has no options, the greatest gift that God has given him, he cannot exercise it. And do you know what that is? Mm-hmm. Choice. Yeah. When a human being cannot exercise choice, is the most frustrating place, the most disheartening place is when a human being has no choice but to be and to stay where they are. That is a disempowered, 
disenfranchised, futureless person. person. So, if you ask me about securing the future, I'd say securing the future is about ensuring that at any one time from today, anyone or anything connected to you has options. options. Awesome. Has options. And this is what wealth really does provide for certain people, or for mm. people generally, mm. to have options. Mm. And I've said this, that it is sad that we cannot afford leaders. Even the amount of money we spend on politics in Africa, we cannot afford to get good leaders. Mm -hmm. As in, the options we have mm. are really horrible. Mm. So we have no option. That is why we feel the way we feel as, as Africans, that we, we know that we can be better, mm. but the power to get better is not in our hands mm. on a grand scheme of things. But in life, mm. that is the thing, that when I have no option and I cannot exercise the God-given gift of choice, what a horrible place to be. Yeah. And that is why we have to come back to today and say, if the simplest choice you had was what do you do with the seed that you have in your hands today, which is time. And let me just try and, and spread this across that time as a parent, time as a spouse, time as a business owner, time as a, as a, as a, as a child, time, time, time. When we get time and add and multiply it to the factor of talent, which we already have within us, then we have the capacity to create treasure. So this is what I call the seed of purpose within us. That when, when, when you see the soil of life and you cannot plant your time in it, yeah. There is nothing worse than that. Yeah. There is nothing worse than that. Wow. Wow. So at the end of the day, we're talking about, we've talked about several things actually. Mm. We've talked about the issue of the future. Mm. In between, we're holding this issue of purpose. We've also talked about the unknown. And you brought in your very beautiful story that the unknown is basically always staring at us like that question on the blackboard. Mm. The guy who answers the question on the blackboard is the one who is opening up his life to the unknown future and the unknown possibilities. Not that they're not going to stretch the guy like they stre stretch yes, you. Definitely stretching. But you, you get to learn in the process. You get to grow in the process. You get to see things you never have seen in the process. I, I, want, I want us to take this and, and look at the story of, of Moses bringing the Israelites out of Egypt. Yeah. Egypt was their past. And God had promised them a land 
in the future. In the future. And then they come to a place where they are at a rock. And they are looking at a sea ahead of them and they are hearing the rumbling noise of, a ch of Pharaoh's chariots coming after them. Because all of a sudden, the man who had let them go changed his mind. Yeah. So sometimes the things that we thought we had put away in our past yeah. come rushing and, and, and rumbling after us. Mm. And they find us in a place where the future is still unknown. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Mm. So I, I, this story fascinates me a lot because it's a, it's 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 a metaphor for life while you are juxtaposed between a sea and a rock. You're on a rock juxta, juxtaposed between a sea and an army. Yeah. What do you do? And it's interesting that the the, the dialogue here was such that the the Israelites cried that they wish they had just stayed in Egypt yeah. and they would not have Egypt running after them. It would have been better to be in Egypt than to face this momentary pressure, uh -huh. momentary uncertainty, momentary, quote-unquote, illusion of danger. Illusion right of now. danger. So the chariots of their past were rushing at them. Awesome. And the seas, the unsure seas of their future yeah, were raging. raging. Yeah. And, and, and so they cry out to Moses. And then Moses says something. Mm. Stand still and know. Take one last look at those Egyptians because those Egyptians, you see, you will see them no more. Mm. Now, the strange thing is, he spoke to these guys to keep calm. <laughs> and then look at what he did. He looked up mm. and now is also crying to God. Mm. And God told him, why are you crying to me? Mm. Tell the children of Israel to go forward, to move out and go forward. That is the gist of it. And he said, stretch out your hand. So there are two, there are, there are two things here. And, and this is something I've been talking about in, in, in that series, Movement Builds Momentum. That when you're in that place where the, the, the chariots of, of yesterday are rushing at you and the seas of tomorrow are still raging and you're standing on the uncertainty of today, the most important things to do are two things. Yeah. First and foremost, to stand still. Mm. When you stand still, what happens? You collect your energy and come to a place where you can receive instruction. Mm. And the instruction is always go, go forward. forward. So, go forward. But then before you go forward, this is what it tells Moses. Stretch out. Mm. Who likes to stretch? I don't know, sports people? No one likes to stretch. Even them, they stretch. Muhammad Ali, remember Muhammad Ali's quote? <clears throat> he said, I hated working out, but I, I, I said, I'm going to work out and become a champion. Let me suffer right now huh. and become a champion later. And we're going to talk about the language of champions. And, and, and I thought that the quote that you're going to give us one, I think it's Tyson who said that everyone has a plan until they're punched in the mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yes, sometimes you, you're there, you have a plan and it's not working. Yeah. But then, this is the word. If we're talking about uncertainties, uncertainties if we're talking about the future and the unknown, mm. we see here that the only thing we can do 
about the future is to stretch out by faith and move into it, as in by acting from where we are today. Mm. That is, is there any instance that you can think of, maybe in the Bible, in history and so on, where people have actually won by moving backwards? Yes. Well, are they moving backwards or just a, what they call it, a tactical... A, a tactical retreat. retreat. Yeah. So, in, in, in my course for Harvest Institute, that leadership course, I remember writing a paper that Russian winter is not good for war. Yeah. And it comes out of, of two experiences. The first one was with Napoleon Bonaparte mm -hmm. when he went to attack, he, he launched an onslaught, an onslaught onto Moscow. Mm. And so the story goes that he, there was, there was a, a very, very hard battle some, some place before Moscow, but he had miscalculated something. Mm. He had, of all the things he had planned for, mm. he miscalculated the weather. Yeah. Such that in the advance, there was a fight between the Russians and the French. Mm. And there were losses in the excess of mm. 100,000 men. Mm. And then the Russians decided to retreat Ooh. towards, towards back Moscow. To Moscow. Even when they are seeing that the enemy is losing. Yes. So they retreated back into Moscow so that Napoleon would come. What Napoleon didn't realize, and it's the same mistake that Hitler made, what Napoleon didn't realize is that the more he got into, uh, into Russia towards Moscow, the more he got into the winter. <laughs> now, what the Russians did is they came to a place and they actually took a stand to fight. But before that, they burnt everything. They burnt Moscow down. They burnt their own city down. They burnt their granaries down so that the enemy could not get a single meal. He could not get respite. Napoleon ended up losing over 400,000 soldiers. And he lost the war. And he lost the war. And that was the beginning of, of, of his downfall. So, yes, that was the only, that, that's one of those incidences. But you see, in that incident, in, that in fact, it's called a pirate victory. Exactly. <laughs> that, that Russian incident, he, they were totally in control of yeah. their plans. Yeah. You couldn't even say they were retreating. Yeah. They were actually probably going they were drawing in a him paradoxical in. way. In but, fact, strange, strange thing, now that you mention that. Yeah. You see, before, before, the, the, before the Israelites come to this place of, of um, of uh, <clears throat> being between the rock and the hard place. <laughs> God told them, turn around. That's actually interesting. Now yeah. that you mention that. He told them, turn around and go to a place, I think, called Pyre or something like that. And then their enemies thought that they were lost and wandering. Yes. I see mm. that what might have what we might call a tactical retreat is simply God positioning us for the greatest victory. Mm. And you've written that book, uh, Turning Your Setbacks into Comebacks. Mm. Sometimes what you might call a setback is simply a setup. 
There's a book actually called The Obstacle is the Way. I don't know if you've ever heard No, but it's definitely but can, an interesting gist, concept. Yeah, yes. you can get the gist of yeah. the matter that where you are afraid, where you see that there's an obstacle, probably that's where your greatest uh, breakthrough is, uh, maybe your greatest realization is going to come from. It is. So the question, I, I think you, you, you brought this point very well. <clears throat> the issue of uh, you are in between a rock and a hard place and very many of us by the way find ourselves in that in that area mm. forget about the Israelites but that's a very good analogy and sometimes we are so encumbered that we think the only respite we can be able to get is to go back because they are garlics they are cucumbers they are leeks yeah whatever it is that uh, we can find uh, behind than, than going forward but this story is teaching us something that no matter how difficult or even impossible even improbable it is we get to our future by facing the fear and I don't think we secure that future mm. we just increasingly get into the future Okay, we but get into the future, we break through into the now future. Now that you mention that, whoever really attains their future? There you go. That's why I said earlier, <laughs> that's why I asked earlier, this future, how, how long is this future? And let me just get political for a moment. If you are securing the future of Uganda, which future is this? Which time frame? Are you talking about? Are you talking about twenty years? Are you talking about? You know, the future can be even be two years. Even two seconds. Even two seconds. Okay, that's why this, I keep saying this concept of securing it is not necessarily a concept that you can build on on an individual level. Mm -hmm. you, you shouldn't be thinking as an individual that I want my future to be to be secure. I think to me that is a, a, a conservative way of of, of living. To me, I think it's uh, an, a defensive way of living rather than an adventurous, full-blown exploration of life, which yeah. you, you mentioned earlier on that you're supposed to be living on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, Mike Murdoch normally says, if you live today in the evening, you should ask yourself a question, was this my best? And that's, 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 that's what counts at the end of the day. Because if you live today and it's your absolute best, obviously it's going to trickle into tomorrow. And actually the guys who have lived their absolute best today, you find them that they're a bit confident about the prospects that they have in the future. The farmer who has sowed his seed, who has cast this, his bread upon the waters, is much more confident and even hopeful about the future than the farmer who has land and has not one was waiting for the right time. Waiting for the right time, listening to the winds and so on and so forth. Wow, it's been a very powerful discussion right there. And I want us to close with this, this thought. I always come to this uh, argument that uh, I normally tell people the command for standstill was at a unique moment. You hear very many people in different times giving that command, oh, stand still, you know, be still and, and know that I am God and so on and so forth. Do you think that advice has got to be used in life at all times? You know, <clears throat> just 
listening to you, I realized something. That being still is not an instruction for idleness <laughs> or apathy or yeah. resignation. Yeah. Being still here is to get you into a place where you, your every sensory capacity is focused on the move of God. But I want you to, I want you to get back into the word and find and just say, when has this word been given? And you'll find something amazing. God gives the word of being still to people who are on the move, to wow. people who are in armor, to wow. people who are in war. As in, he does not give the word stand still to people who are in Was. bed. <laughs> if you hear the word coming to you, start, be still, you and you're in bed, something, uh -huh. and you're in bed, uh. it's not God, it's a devil. Nice. Bind. Nice. But when you're on the road, you're doing something. You're doing something. Going somewhere. And then you feel like, Ah, okay, now I'm caught between a rock and a hard place and God says, be still. It means that your part for movement is... You've done your you've part. You've done your first part. Yeah. Now the next now part you is dependent uh -huh. on God going ahead. There you go. That talks about the partnership that man has with, with God. Exactly. And for the most part, we are, quote-unquote, waiting on God, oh. even even in, in terms of discovering our purpose. I discovered something last year in, the, in January, and God told me, you're waiting for me, yet you should be waiting on me, mm. because I'm the one waiting for you, as in me I have four waiting on, two different things. So waiting on, is the example of a waiter. Uh -huh. Who is there with his tray, standing, saying, alert, yes. waiting to see if you are uncomfortable so they can come and serve you. Yeah. What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? Awesome. And then waiting for is being there looking at your watch, you waiting. Have no options. He's options waiting for someone, someone to come. Uh -huh. But God is like, solution, I moved a long time ago. I have done everything you need to do for you. Now, waiting on me is really waiting for the instruction on what exactly to do. What am I doing? And that is what brought me at the end of the year to, to this prayer that I wake up in the morning, I'm asking God, God, what are we doing today? How can I be of service to you? Now I'm not waiting for God. I'm waiting on God. Meaning if he says, go, we go. If he says, do, we do. Whatever it is he brings today, I am ready. I'm not in a place of waiting for someone I don't know when he'll come. Because he's here. Everything that you and I will ever need to do, he has already put it in us in what is called the seed of purpose, which is your time, your talent, and your treasure. The resources that you have it in you to multiply the kingdom and establish his covenant. It is done already. Now, waiting on puts you in that place where you're like, today call Lawrence. And then when you call Lawrence... And so... <clears throat> The instruction, remember you talked about the instruction coming. Yeah. The instruction that I receive as I am waiting on God 
it is an instruction that serves to unravel what is in the unknown all along. Because it's already there. That's a strange also. thing. It's there. Just because they didn't put it on the blackboard that there was a jet, there was a flight, there was money, there was this. All I needed to know was the question. Mm-hmm. Once I went after the question, everything a whole new world yeah. unraveled, but it yeah. was there. Yeah. And that so, is why I'm excited to talk about the next thing. Mm. The, the, the conversations or the language of champions. Yeah. Because you realize that action follows words. Yeah. So about securing the future, mm. I think if I can say the final thing about it, mm. this, the future is also on our tongues. Mm. It can be created, erased, just by a syllable mm. or a sound that rolls off carelessly or carefully mm. of our tongues. So, the, saying securing the future as, as a concept might not have the depth that we require yeah. as, as human beings. And yet within it, there is an idea. A very good idea at that, by the way. Especially when you understand the power that is on the tongue. That the future we want to see is very, very, very easily in our mouth. Yeah. And one of the things that you're going to ask yourself, you're going to say is, what am I going to do today? Exactly. So thank you so much for, for that submission. And just to <clears throat> clarify at the end of the day, it might seem that this is a, a political talk and so on and so forth, but it just came out of uh, one of the series that I was doing in my in my podcast. I was talking about discovering your purpose on the premise of doing something afraid. That when you do something afraid, that purpose is in the unknown. It is uh, sometimes when you're doing something that you're really scared of, the feedback you get from doing something that you're really scared of is the one that is going to help you to understand what your purpose in life is and so on and so forth and therefore that thought just came to me unless i am god almighty i cannot necessarily say my future is secure and yet the concept of the future is very important the the scriptures tell us in the book of jeremiah 29 11 that i know the plans i have that is about the future i know the plans i have for you plans for good and for hope, to give you a future and an expected end. That is what the scripture is saying, which means God is also in the business of the future. But again, the message that we're airing here today is this, that that future we are talking about is determined by what we do today. The good future is brought about by the things we did good today. The breakthrough future is brought about by the things that are going to lead to the breakthrough that we actually did today, we participated in them today. And it is incremental in nature. And it is always unknown 
the permutations of the future itself, and your story is very beautiful because the permutations and the ramifications of the future itself, they are known. You did not know about Hilton Hotel. You did not know about uh, the, the aeroplane, and you did not know about the competition and so on and so forth. But it unraveled to the degree that you did something with what you were presented with that particular day. So remember what I asked you, um, do you know the difference between bread and seed? Yeah. And I'll ask you, how many seeds are in one mango fruit? Mm. Mm. You say one. Yeah. And if I ask you, how many mangoes are in a mango seed? Mm. You can't it's, count. You can't count. But you know what the difference is? Where the seed ends up? Mm. The consumption of the seed or the sowing of the seed. The sowing of the seed. So the concept of the, of, of the future comes down to bread and seed. Sowing the mustard seed. <laughs> <laughs> it comes down to that. Yeah. Okay. Wow. All right, man. Thank you so much for the talk. It's always a pleasure. I... We are going to do this again uh, every single week. We're going to be having a session where we'll be talking about some of these things. In life it's been a very very powerful discussion i'm glad so, we finally had it it's, yeah. it's it's been a long time coming cool